Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss you are listening to scoop b radio what's going on i hope wherever you're listening from you and your loved ones are safe during this covid19 period hey this is the producer scoop b radio dj Manio. i would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod we did record numbers last month so on behalf of scoopy and myself thank you for the four years of supporting brandon on this media journey if you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. Listening to Scoopy Radio with Brendan Robinson. New Retro Room Podcast here on BallIsLife.com. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, all that good stuff. Download, rate, comment, subscribe, show some love and support to the show. Got my man Brandon Scooby Robinson here on the Retro Room tonight. You can follow him on Twitter at ScoopB, on Instagram at Scoop underscore B. He is the senior writer on Heavy.com and the host of the Scoop B Radio podcast. B. Robinson, my man, how you doing? Man, working my tail off and um, trying to stay relevant. That's about it. <laughs> just like everybody else, man. Just uh, It's a weird time, man. Uh, but I think it's also a time where the creators continue to create. So it's content-driven, whether it's old stuff, retro, current uh, we just got to uh, stay and remain relevant and provide the content that people want to hear from us, you know? This is true. This is true, man. This is the time to, to, to decipher the real from the fake and the consistent. And um, uh, it's it's a great time to be alive, if you ask me. Absolutely, man. Um, 
you know, in doing this in doing this podcast, you know, I reach out to a whole bunch of people uh, who wants to come on and talk about some throwback retro NBA basketball or basketball in general, with not much currently going on. And I know I I, I reached out to you uh, a few months ago. I think we just couldn't get it uh, down packed, but now we are here. And uh, I got you for the challenge, man. We are here to rank the NBA Finals from the 2000s. Um, uh, you know, that decade, man, it, it, it's a lot of talent. You know, me being a big fan of the 90s, I tell you, Scoop, man, when you go, when you dig back and look at the archives or who played, who was in that decade, man, a whole bunch of Hall of Famers and world champions and all-stars, it was a lot, man. Like I said, I'm a 90s fan, but that 2000s sure. roster, man, can can definitely compete with the 90s. So um, we'll start from there, man. When, when people mention 2000s NBA basketball, what do you what do you miss from that decade? What did you love from that decade? And what about the talent that played in that decade? What did I like about that decade? Um, baggy shorts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Iverson retro sneakers. Mm-hmm. Chris Webber and the Sacramento Kings. Yes. Wow. And probably just Kobe, Shaq, and the Lakers. Yeah. Um. So in this decade, I got a, I got a whole bunch of players about to read off. Um. So you mentioned Shaq, Kobe. We got Duncan, Garnett. AI, Vince Carter, T Mac, Dirk, you mentioned Weber, LeBron, Melo, Wade, Bosch, Paul Pierce, uh, Jason Kidd, Steve Francis, Yao Ming, Steve Nash, Amari, The Matrix, Jermaine O'Neal, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Gilbert, Antoine Jameson, Baron Davis, Tony Parker, Ginobili. I know there's, there's, there's probably a whole bunch of more people I'm missing, but that's like 25 guys who were just all stars, Hall of Famers. And it's like, for me to see those guys in their prime were just, mm-hmm. were just phenomenal, man. Just a lot of great games, a lot of great talent, man. Like, you, you know, I see them now, like, damn, man, they, they're getting up there in age. But for me to see those guys win championships, be all-stars, be Hall of Famers in their prime, man, it, it's really, it's, it, it's crazy, man. But that decade, man, with that roster I just gave you and a whole bunch of playoff moments and finals, um, I think that's the uh, well. I know this decade, well, the twenty the, uh, 2010s can compete with that too. But man, that was a roster I just gave you, bro. Yeah, especially Yao Ming. I think the impact of Yao Ming is, is severely underrated, um, particularly and not just because he's an all famer, but the impact that he had. Like when you look at you know the Dream Team, for example, in '92, uh, there was so much of an influx of, of of guys who are you know now probably retired or getting ready to retire. Um, that were influenced mm. uh, by Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Clyde Drexler, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, John Stockton, Carl Malone, mm-hmm. and, and on and on and on and on and on on that 92 Dream Team. I mean, you look at guys like, you know, uh, uh, Dirk Nowitzki from Germany. Uh, you look at, um, you know, you look at uh, Tony Parker, uh, retired San Antonio Spurs legend. Uh, you know, they stayed up late to watch the Dream Team. And then you even look at guys like Drazen Petrovic. But if it wasn't for Vlade Divac, there'd be no Drazen Petrovic, the late Drazen Petrovic. But mm-hmm. when you look at Yao Ming, you look at guys like Wang Zhuzhu, uh, who, you know, I'm not sure if he played for the Shanghai Sharks like Yao did, but 
Um, you know, Yao Ming had an influence on Chinese culture. Uh, he made it cool to want to aspire to be in the NBA, and it was a, a perfect c- connecting of dots because of Kobe's, um, you know, I- impact on China. So um, it, Steve Francis is another guy. Um, I, I look at guys like John ja Morant, um, and I feel like John ja Morant will end up being everything that Steve Francis was supposed to be. Um, just I think sometimes coaching and just n- not being teachable at times can hinder players is progress. Um, and I think that was the case in Houston. And then, you know, you went to Orlando and a few other places, mm-hmm. um, Jason Kidd in the Nets, you know, yeah. the, the tri-state area was definitely blessed with his presence so much so that when the Nets played in New Jersey, the empire state building had to light up red and blue, uh, when the Nets were, you know, went to back to back East or back to back NBA finals against the Spurs and the, and, the, and the Lakers, they couldn't get it done, but, you know, definitely gave the swamp lands in New Jersey, something to talk about. So, I mean, all those guys you mentioned, man, they, they're definitely legends. Some are Hall of Famers. Some are already Hall of Famers. And, mm-hmm. you know, you put you hit the nail right on the head. Well, a few things. I know as far as the tri-state area goes, New Jersey was the better <laughs> New Yorkish team in that decade. The Knicks were – they had a couple early playoff uh, runs, uh, 01, 2001. Then it got back in 04. And if I'm not mistaken, they did not get back until – 2011. So New Jersey pretty much dominated that decade as far as New York City basketball goes. With also Kenya Martin and uh, uh, Jefferson, you know that 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 team was great. Um, I'm going to give you some tidbits, little little tidbits of stuff that happened in that decade. Or we can start with New Jersey, man. You know when you go back and you see the Lakers and the Spurs and Boston and and Detroit. Oh shit. New Jersey's in there. Like, are you, do you ever think back, like, man, how in the world did the New Jersey Nets not only make the NBA Finals once, but how in the world they made it to back to back NBA Finals? Do, do, do you ever think about that? No, only because I knew what it took in that Eastern Conference. Um, uh, I think that when you look at the beginning of the decade, you know, it was, it was, it was Allen Iverson and Phillies to have. Um, you know, in 2000, when they when they uh, you know took on the Philadelphia, excuse me, when they took on the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Allen Iverson was the MVP that season. Larry Brown was the coach of the year. Uh, Theo Ratliff was you know an All Star, and then you know, had a wrist injury. Was traded for Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. Um, and you know there was just a lot of tumultuous things going back and forth between Iverson and, and Larry Brown, and they figured a way to to to, to work it out. Um, but you know there were other teams like the the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, that, you know, were standing in their way. You know, people often criticize Vince Carter for going to his graduation. And then you look at the Bucks, Ray Allen was, and, and Tim Thomas and Sam Cassell and all those guys were still a young team. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the, but Philly found a way to, to, to at least still game one. And then that was all she wrote. Um, the following season, you know, the J- Jason Kidd found his way to the Nets after – um, you know, having some issues in Phoenix, uh, you know, with his wife and we've moved on since then. But, um, you know, I, I think in that situation, uh, it was it was definitely a, um, a a fire sale, if you will. They were they, the, the son's the one that to get rid of Jason Kidd in that regard. And mm-hmm. in a lot of respects, they gifted Rod Thorne, Jason Kidd and, you know, traded him for Stephon Marbury. And um, yeah, when you look at that situation, Jason Kidd has always made teams around him better. Uh, or players around him better and got them the big payday. If you don't believe me, ask Kerry Kittle, ask Lucius Harris, um, and ask Keith Van Horn. Uh, and they'll tell you that he got them paid. So, you I know, mean, when you look at those years, I mean, the, the biggest challenge, I think, in, two, in, in, in that time 
frame was like the Pacers and Reggie. I remember they went to like triple overtime. Um, and then, you know, what ended up happen- happening after those two runs was, you know, that was when Detroit began to come into prominence. And I'll add, um, you know, the Nets almost made it to the finals without Kenyon Martin in 2004. When they traded Kenyon, things changed. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 and then they ended up getting, you know, Vince Carter hoping to, to, to repair that loss in Kenyon. You know, and he couldn't do it. Kenyon has told me, you know, that it was he really wanted to stay, but it was like Bruce Ratner didn't want him. Um, so um, it, it didn't really surprise me. I just think that the Lakers and the Spurs were just so dominant, and the Pistons as well when they got that one championship ring. So, um, no, I think people always, you know, try to, to slant Jersey, like because it's New Jersey, they must suck. Um, but I'll add that, you know, you know the Knicks – um, in 2004, I believe it was. Yeah, we're going toe to toe with the Nets, and you know there were some issues with Kenyon and Tim Thomas and all that other stuff going on. <laughs> I, it was it was great to see both area teams go toe to toe. The Nets were just more superior um, during those kid era years, and you know they're looking to repair that in Brooklyn. But we'll see what happens with Kyrie and KD. Uh, what else we got here? Um, Michael Jordan retired now for the first time, not the second time. But for the third time as a wizard uh, in 2003. Say that again. I said Michael Jordan retired for the third time in 2003 with the Wizards. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. I know. He did. I mean, that. He did. Michael was 40 at that time. Yeah. And, um, and still, and still putting up 40, still putting up 40 and 50. <laughs> And, it, and it, it wasn't just against, like, bums. It was against, like, um, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, Vince Carter, yep. um, um, Jason Kidd, Allen Iverson, Tim Duncan. Like, yep. you know, the 2000s had talent. You know, they didn't make it to the playoffs. But one of the things I'll always remember about um, Michael Jordan's run as a wizard was right after 9-11. Do you recall that game when he came to and played against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden? Yeah, that was on on TBS at the Garden, home opener. Uh, I, you know what? I just saw the game, or a little bit of the game, a few days ago. It was him, Rip Hamilton, Brendan Hayward, uh, Kwame, Courtney Alexander. And I'm like, what? Yo, what's this roster? <laughs> like, but then on the flip side, I'm like, yo, what's the who? Who the Knicks got? Aside from Houston and Freewell, yeah. Aside from those two, Cammy was hurt. They had I saw Travis Knight and Charlie Ward and Felton Spencer and Weatherspoon. I'm like, what's going on with this roster in 2001, bro? It's crazy. Yeah, that team was was dope. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't Antonio McDice on that team? I think no, McDice got on in 02 because they they made the trade. Okay, for uh with with uh Nene. A draft night. Yes, I was a year off. Some of those years get kind of like you're a year off, you're a mm-hmm. year ahead. It was just, it was just like so many like AAU guys that were that came into the NBA that maybe became fast household names or who were '90s like mid to late '90s holdovers that kind of moved around a few different places. Right. Um, so yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's, you know, seeing Jordan retire, man, like officially being done. Uh, I still recall the All-Star game with the, with the I think the, the game-tying shot or, or to, to have the lead over Sean Marion. 
um, you know, Mariah wearing the wizard jersey while she was performing. Yeah. <laughs> so it was very, a big time year for Mike and the Wizards and, you know, just seeing him go out. And him him playing against a new generation is like, you know, I want to see Mike against T-Mac and Vince and AI and Kobe and those guys. And, and we, we definitely got a chance to see that. I know Mike was 40 plus, but um, regardless, it was still great to see him uh, up against those competitors. What, what else we got here? Um, so, you know, 2003, it was the first year that the NBA went to a seven-game series in every single round. So, from that noise you just made, that might sound like you were not a fan of it. Probably still still not a fan of it. Are you a fan of seven-game series in the first round? Or I like them. The That's five? the point I'm making. Like, when you when you make mention of it, you, you, you made me date myself a little bit because <laughs> I, I liked it. Um, I liked that more than I liked when they took the logo off the shoulder, the logo patch off the shoulder of jerseys. Um, uh. I, I just think that there's certain things that should be sacred. Like, if I'm not mistaken, um, was it in 2004? Was it first round when the Hornets played the Heat and Wade hit that shots over Baron Davis? Was that round one? Or was that the semis? That was round one. Like, imagine if that was the best four out of seven. Baron Davis would have went to work. You mean you got showed up by a rookie? But sometimes when it's your time, it's your time. Um, I, I look at I look at um, I look at some of those series, and you wonder what if. So, you know, I think to make it uniform is cool. I liked it. I liked it. I, but I did like the three out of five. I feel like I'm torn. I like the fact that the first round is best four out of seven, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you miss some of those series that are three out of five. Yes. I mean, but you think about it, right? You look at the eight seed. Um, you look at the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken. Weren't they in eight seed? Yes. And they beat Miami in round one? Yep. Imagine if that was a four out of seven. Allen Houston might have got that off and the momentum switched, but imagine if they had to go, like Miami was good that year. Oh, that was what, 99? Uh, yeah, 99, yeah. Because they went to the finals that year. Yeah, so I know we talked in 2000, it's close enough, 99 mm-hmm. is close enough, but, you know, I, I, I really do think, like, three out of five is cool, but I wasn't upset when they switched four out of se- to four out of seven. And the point you just mentioned about uh, the AFC, so in this decade, you also get the third time an AC beat a one seed, which is the Warriors over the Mavericks. So that happened, mm-hmm. that happens in 07, you know, Dirk is the MVP of, of the league, and if they, they they play the Warriors and they're the AFC and they beat the Mavericks, I'm like, holy shit! Like, and the Mavericks, Dallas were just in the finals a year prior, so you're thinking, like, all right, they they lost to Miami, they come back stronger, uh, 65 games, whatever it is, Dirk MVP, they're going to the finals and they get roadblocked by the Warriors. So, uh, I mean, you, yeah. you also get that part too. Yeah, that, I mean, man, that series was magical. That was like you said, that was that was Dirk's um, MVP season. He finally got one, but he ended up getting the last laugh in 2011 anyway. Yeah, um, by, by winning the finals against a Heat team that everybody just thought was going to railroad them. And I think that you know people didn't realize how deep that that Mavericks team is. But I digress. When you look at that series, like. I, I, somebody told me that they spoke to 
a member of the Warriors who told him mm. that after that series was over, Dirk like threw a chair either at a wall or like at the ceiling in the visitor's locker room at Oracle. Wow. And that that hole was never repaired and it still it was still there, you know, to this day. Of course, they moved to, to the new Chase Arena yeah. in San Francisco. But yeah, like Dirk was ticked off about that and uh, he put a hole in the visitor's locker room. Had you heard that? I, I, I've never heard that before. But when you look at that series, man, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Golden State had like made a couple of trades or a couple moves um, to, to kind of propel their 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 position. Like they weren't expected to make it to the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, at that point. Uh-huh. Um, and you had a, a group of guys like Al Harrington, Matt Barnes. Baron Davis. Um, I think Petrus was on that team too. I think Petrus. Uh, Petrus. Um, Beardrins was on there too. Andres Beardrins, Stephen Jackson. Yeah, that that team was just full of uh, just grinders. Wasn't um, um, Monte there too? Monte Ellis. Monte was on that team. Yeah, because this was oh. pre Steph Curry era. Yeah. Um, of the Warriors, but they, but they, but they grinded that out, man, and you know. Um, I just think that at that point in Dallas, they just fell in love with the three-point shot a little too much for my liking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember, you know, at that point, I was in, I was an undergrad um, at a small school right outside of Philadelphia called Eastern, uh, Eastern University, and uh, we're a Division three school. Right. And I remember, you know, you you recruit you you recruit a lot of guards. You know, and, and I used to hear at games, like you'd see games where, it's, you know, it would, it would come up, you know, close, like it'd be a two-point game, three-point game, and then you look at the stat sheet, and, you know, maybe you win five for five for 15 or five for 20. And, you know, I learned a phrase back then, you live by the three, you die by the three. And um, when I watched the Mavericks at that point, mm-hmm. I feel like this was Dirk when he was making that transition into kind of being a face-up guy, but but also picking his spots down low because I think at that point they were trying to always make that comparison between Dirk and Duncan. Yes. Um, and I, I just think Duncan, you can't really compare to Dirk. They, I, I think I think Dirk will go down as one of the most accomplished European players to to to, to make it in the NBA. And um, it just took a little time for him to percolate. And I think that. That disappointment against the Miami Heat in 2006 mm-hmm. and that disappointment against, you know, uh, the Golden State Warriors really lit a fire under him. And he ended up, you know, getting the last laugh in 2011 and beloved as one of the greatest, you know, players of all time. And, yep. you know, one of the maybe the best Maverick of all time. A uh, few more before we get rolling here. Um, you mentioned the word sacred earlier. I think is um, it's fitting when I mention this stat. Um I like the NBA on ESPN. I like the NBA on ABC. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Uh, but 2002 was the final time we got the NBA on both TBS and NBC. So NBC mm-hmm. had to run from 91 to 02. And from 02 on, it's been on ESPN and ABC. So you're looking at almost um, almost 20 years going that it, the NBA has been on uh, ABC and ESPN more than NBC. So uh, the last game was the New Jersey Nets and the Lakers game 4-0-2 finals. That was a final game on NBC. I don't know what the last game was on TBS, but it was the end of an era. 
so from that point on, different channels, different games. But are you more of the nostalgic? I need my games on NBC and TBS. Or are you cool with the ABC ESPN wave? I mean, I'm a basketball guy at the end of the day, but but True. the NBA on NBC is 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 um, what I fell in love with. Um, I always say this whenever I'm on interviews and I'm asked. Um, I fell in love with the game of basketball in 1991. Um, okay. With a guy named Michael Jordan uh, playing on the screen. Um, my stepfather yeah. is from the west side of Chicago, mm-hmm. and um, you know he introduced me to the game. He grew up literally down the street from the old Chicago Stadium, which is now a parking lot right across the street from the United Center. Wow. And, um, you know, so for me, like, you know, I'm a brand ambassador for Zeddy Optical Glasses, so I'm often around players on the Bulls. Um, I'm always reminded of, um, you know, spending time in a myriad of places where I live, Irvington, New Jersey, East Orange, New Jersey, the Bronx, um, you know, and family running a family business in Harlem. So, you know, even with that, you know, being around the game of basketball, my uncle was commissioner of parks at Riverbank State Park, and ran citywide uh, alongside the late Ernest Lorch. Um, so, you know, for me, like, that was my world, you know, coming in and just watching basketball and hearing the theme song. Like, um, I know John Tesh wrote the theme song for the NBA and NBC. Uh-huh. Round Ball Rock is the name of the song. And he did a whole, you can find it on YouTube, where he, how he came up with the theme, you know, up for it. So, you know, for me, I, I like that. But I also like... The old theme song uh, for TNT and TBS that yeah. I think they should retro it sometimes. Exactly. Like, yep. Nostalgic. I think it sounds better than the one that's on now. Hey, listen, man, it, it's amazing how, again, I don't want to sound like the old guy on my lawn, but hey, listen, NBA on NBC is better than ESPN and ABC. Like, just, like, just imagine. Uh, NBC having the rights now, like just imagine all the stuff that that, that they can do. Um, you mentioned it the TNT theme song, like that was that was like the late '90s to the mid 2000s, and then they switched it uh, to the to, to, to the current theme now. But it's like certain things, like you said, you just don't touch, you just you just don't mess with, leave it alone. Like you know, I'm a fan of the NBA Finals logo on the court or the big trophy decal on yeah. the court. Now there's nothing. How can I tell it's the NBA Finals if there's no, no there's no graphic, there's no decal on it? I just think we're in an age where um, I don't want to sound like my parents, but I think that there are certain <laughs> things that are just um, they should just be what they are yeah. um, because it's it's a it's a um, it's a memento of just that that level of um, purity that it has. You know, that being said, I look at um, the crest that you mentioned, the NBA Finals crest, and wearing it on, you know, this the sleeve of the jersey, and then on the other sleeve you have the the logo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there are sometimes you fast food it. I mean, even the quality of the authentic jerseys that are made now they're much cheaper. If you look at the game, a lot of times these guys are swapping out switching jerseys because the material is much lighter, um, and you know the jerseys rip. I mean, I'm sure you have some authentic jerseys from back then and some authentic jerseys now. Oh, yeah. You notice the difference in, 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 its, in its heaviness? Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's thicker. It's, whatever the material is back then is way better than, than what it is now. Now it's, like you said, more cheaper and not that much. There, there, there's nothing much to the uniforms now in general. So, like, when I look at back in the day, if, you, if you're trying to buy a Milwaukee Buck uniform now, it's cool, but... 
Would I rather have the uniform from '98 with the actual buck on my jersey? I would take that, you know, in a in a heartbeat. Like even the stitching, yes. the stitching, yes, is different. But I, I like it's it was heavy tackle twill stitched material. Like like for me, um, I have a good relationship with Mitchell and Ness, and so like. If they send me stuff or I go to parties, like sometimes I'll just touch the fabric mm-hmm. because it takes me back to my childhood, you know, as a kid. Being in an NBA locker room and, you know, just seeing, feeling that material. I felt that way, like in the 80s and the 90s, like I felt that way about jerseys from the 70s that I would look at. Like, I don't know if you know this, but even like with the Bulls' jerseys, I don't know if you know, but like in the 90s, they all those teams had made that transition from screen print to stitch. Yes. The Bulls' jerseys were still screen printed up until like late 90s. Yeah. I think, Did you know that? Um, I think they made the switch in 93 because if, if you look at 92, the back of like Jordan's uh, jersey, the word Jordan looks like shiny. It looks like... like, like yeah. Yeah. You're right. And it was white. Yes. The, if you were, the red jerseys were black. The, the, the last names were white. It wasn't, um, it wasn't embroidered for Chicago yet. Right. Yeah. So like little things like that, I've always been interested. And that's why I think like Mitchell and Ness, as much as I think I appreciate them, Saul and Dean and all those guys in the 2000s, I feel like they'd be better seated now than they were in the 2000s. Yeah. Okay. Because do you know why I say that? No, tell me. Because I feel like I, I can speak. I think the reason why me and you can, can connect or kindred spirits in this regard is because I think there's a respect for the game that we have, and not just the game and the players, mm-hmm. but little known facts that people probably don't care about they gloss over. And I think in a day and age where you know young people get blamed for everything, and social media has such a to- allows people to have shorter attention spans, when you can sit somebody down and explain the history of the game while having some type of artifact to back it up. Kids will listen. And I feel like talking about size and weight of jerseys and things like that, like I feel like they just mass produce jerseys more so now than they did when we were able to buy them. And they charge more money for the mass producing. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, I got two more big points. Then we'll go on to the ranking. Uh, Listen, I I can't forget two things. One... Um, the Lakers dynasty, yes. The Spurs dynasty, yes. But there are those, there are those seasons where, like, yo, a team should have made the final. We, we do, we do get that. Whether in 2000s, 2010s, or 90s, like, man, that team was so good. They should have made it. They, they should have made the finals, and they should have won it. Um, so you mentioned the Sacramento Kings of 02 a, a little while ago. Uh, I think. That's likely the most memorable playoff series in that decade, but for the wrong reasons. Um, great series, Game 7, all that, L.A., trying to go for the 3 P, but Sacramento was right there with Bibby and Weber and those guys, and, you know, they were right there up 3-2. They lose at home in Game 7, and this whole referee scandal comes out, and, and just like, wow, like, holy shit, that, that really happened. In the NBA, like what if what if Sacramento beat you know would have beat the Lakers? Would they have beat New Jersey? I think so. Could they have been a uh, 0-2 champions? I think so. But 
would just never know. But when you go back and people mention that O2 series with LA and Sacramento or just the Kings of O2, are you more like sad? Like, damn, man, like they should have fucking won that. Or more like, hey, man, it just, it is, it is what it is. Um, a combination of all of those things. Um, I think, um, Sacramento to me going into that season, they, to me, matched up well with the Nets, mm-hmm. particularly because they ran a similar offense. They ran the Princeton offense. Um, you know, the, the, the Nets, you know, at that point were, you know, their assistant coach uh, came out of a Sacramento system. They had it like Eddie Jordan, uh, who was mentored under Pete Carrell. Uh, who came out of the Princeton system and, you know, just the way they moved. I think the only difference between the Nets and the Sacramento Kings at that point was, um, if I'm not mistaken, you know, the Nets had Jason Collins. He wasn't a scoring center, um, you know, and then, excuse me, the, the Kings had, well, yeah, the, the Nets had Jason Collins. He wasn't, a, he was like their Luke Longley on that, the, in that, in that, in that sense, you know, they were depending on more of their perimeter guys or their point guard to, to get things that the offense initiated. But, you know, when you look at Sacramento, you had Chris Weber, um, you, you had Mike Bibby, you had Peja Stoyakovich, you know, um, you, you know, you had all, you had, you know, you just had, you had Doug Christie, you had all those guys. And, um, you that know, we look at the Nets, so good, bro. Had, uh, Byron Scott was head coach, Jason Kidd. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jason Kidd had the upper hand over Sacramento, but the thing is they just played so similarly. They, they ran on the break. They could say, you know, Weber could face you up in the, in the half court system, back you down. Um, you right. know, he could pass the ball, uh, pass out the double team, uh, which for a wide open page of Sayakovich, they were lethal. Um, but I, I, I'll add this, you know, when you look at, you know, their matchup against um, the Los Angeles Lakers, which to, to, to make it to the finals or even win the finals, a lot of players say this to me and even coaches, you have to have a bit of luck um, in order to, you know, be successful. And, um, you know, they had two things against them in retrospect. Donahue was refing some of those games. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Ory uh, <laughs> hit a jumper that many people questioned, which is why it, it was the catalyst for, you know, uh, referees analyzing plays. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, I, I talked to Sa- Samaki Walker about that uh, on the Scooby Radio podcast and and he was adamant that, you know, the Lakers did what they needed to do was their time. And, you know, I just think that if, you know, Kobe hadn't left in 04, excuse me, if Shaq hadn't left in 04 and they found a way to kind of, you know, uh, make some things happen, I think that's a Lakers dynasty that would have continued. And it's crazy because quietly I've said this to people, um, LeBron and Kyrie was this generation, Shaq and Kobe. They just handled it better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as it relates to the Sacramento Kings and the Nets, man, that was a that was a matchup that would have been a dream, and I actually think it would have been more entertaining because you know it was a sweep. You know, the Lakers won in four games. Yeah, would have been entertaining. I think that would have won six or seven games. Oh man, I mean, is that Kings Lakers series out of all the playoff series that that occurred in that decade? Is that the one series that you just go back to the most because of what transpired? In that series, 
Say that one more time. I said out of all the playoff series we had in that decade, um, finals, first round, whatever, is the, is Sacramento, L.A. from 02 the one series that you can always constantly think about? That it, 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 it's like it's like the one most memorable series from that decade, um, but for the wrong reason. I look at that conference final series. I think it was between um, the Pistons and the Nets. Okay. In 04. I think it was conference finals. If it wasn't conference finals, it was semi. But I le- believe it was conference. I look at that series and I think you know, that, that series could have been. Um, if Kenyon Martin was playing for the Nets, I think they would have um, they would have um, had a better chance. But I also just think it was Detroit's year. And I think oftentimes that's so overlooked. And you saw it in the finals where, you know, people just thought Kobe had off games. No, Tayshaun Prince was just that daggone good defensively. Yeah. Um, I, and to look at the 2000s, I would have liked to have seen a more competitive, you know, NBA Finals than that series on the Lakers' part. Respectfully, um, I, I think that Malone was hurt. Um, Peyton's grasp of the triangle offense was something that was talked about at nauseum. Um, and I just think that there were some distractions throughout the course of that season. Kobe's legal case was going on at that time. Mm-hmm. He and Shaq's issues were what they were. Um, there was just a lot there. And I think sometimes you can fill a team with so much talent and maybe a little bit past their prime. You know, luckily Peyton got his ring in, in Miami. But, yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Um, I know you said 2000s, but to be honest with you, um, in the 90s, mm-hmm. I, I, wish, I wish that um, – the Bulls and Knicks series uh, in the semis uh, that year, Scotty was the leader of that team. He averaged about 22 points per game. Um, you know, and Michael was playing baseball. I wish that series would have went a little differently because I do think that that Bulls team, watching that series and remembering it like it was yesterday, um, I think that Chicago playing Houston would have been interesting because, uh, you know, it's a lot of what ifs. Like, you know, Houston won those two finals. When Michael wasn't playing, and you know, some people say, "Well, the the, the Bulls, if Michael had retired, would have won eight straight." Yeah. We'll never be able to figure that out. I've spoken to former Rockets players about that, Robert Ory, um, uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, and more, and you know, they're adamant that if Michael had played, they would have beat him. Um, I think Orlando was a good uh, matchup against them, but you know, they were young. I had Nick Anderson on the Scoopy Radio podcast just last week, and. You know, he said that that's still a regret that he missed those free throws in game one, you know. And so there are some series where you kind of look at just how things have went. I'm sure that there are, there are some Spurs fans that wish, you know, that things would have went a little differently because we'd be looking at the Heat winning only one championship if Ray Allen didn't hit that shot, which forced Miami into overtime. So you always look at the what ifs. And um, those are just some of the things that I, I can think of off the top of my head from just right. basketball. Um, last point. Obviously, I can't. I cannot leave out. I mean, there are some other moments in in that decade where you know uh, Shaq gets traded from LA to Miami. You get um a crazy dope All Star game in 01 with Marbury and AI, uh, bringing the East back to to victory. Um, what else I had? You get uh, you know AI walking over Tyron Lue in Game One of the Finals in 01. You get um. I mean, and then the the big part is you get the the rise of LeBron James uh, in, the o- in, the, in the 0-3 draft with him, uh, Wade, Bosch, and Melo, um, arguably the greatest draft class of all time. 
Um, so those guys are not going to be the new wave of crop of, of talent to lead the next generation of, of players. Um, so real quick, so like, you know, we had Jordan, we had Kobe. Kobe's still in the prime when LeBron comes out. But now people are looking at him to be the next guy to carry the league. Um, at that time, did you think LeBron would be this, the kind of player he is today? Yes. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Certain people just have it. Yeah. Um, LeBron and I are the same age, and I had been hearing about LeBron um, when I was 12 years old. I was hearing about this guy from Akron. Um, Brevin Knight coached me when I was younger, and uh, he ended up playing for the Cavaliers. And uh, during that era, I was hearing the Jonas Ogaskis was on that time on that team. I was hearing about this kid from Akron at 12, 13, 14 years old, and he's going to be somebody kind of the same way. I think in the in the YouTube MySpace era, many wow. people were hearing about a league guard named OJ Mayo. Like I feel like mm. LeBron, without social media, was getting that type of hype, um, and I think it's powerful. You know, word of mouth matters. Just like we look at the blackout game at, at Rucker as never happening, and you know, I've been talking to some guys just about those stories. Like, what would it have been like if it was social media? It would have been crazy. Um, so, you know, I, LeBron to me was everything Lenny Cook and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air were supposed to be at the same time. <laughs> um, oh, you look at LeBron going to St. Vincent, St. Mary's, that's no different than Will going to Bel-Air Prep. True. And, and, and wearing his, 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 his blazer inside out and politicking with, you know, the kids whose parents were judges, lawyers. You know, and, and, and movers and shakers in Hollywood. Um, he just played the his position right. And, you know, the thing that I admire about LeBron, and even in my own life, I've implemented this, this is the strength of team within your personal branding. Um, you know, he listened to certain people early. If you look at guys like Maverick Carter um, and Rich Paul, they had a role in their li- in his life even when he was in high school. If you think about it, Rich Paul went from basically being LeBron's stylist in high school to becoming his agent. It was a gradual process. Mm-hmm. He learned from Allen Iverson's mistakes of when many people say he just had his friends around him. What were their roles? Um, he invested money in them. They had to sign promissory notes, you know, and, and he invested in them and it made money for everybody that was involved. And so um, when you follow that blueprint, who else does that remind you of? Reminds you of the early days of Rockefeller Records. The only difference is if, if Rich Paul is Dave Dash and, and LeBron is, is Jay-Z, <laughs> they stayed together versus, you know, Damon and Jay-Z going their separate ways. So, you know, he took advice from, from prominent people early. I think it also helped when, um, you know, his team was studying under Aaron Goodwin. And, you know, I also think there's something to be said about LeBron playing in Cleveland and having a strong black male figure and, 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 and Paul Silas, which I think doesn't get talked about much during, during his early days in Cleveland. It would have been easy for him to get in trouble. He's from 30, 45 minutes from Cleveland, he's from Akron, and you know, you know, it's not easy for everybody to play at home or be home. Yeah, and so right. I think he's handled that well. has has had minimal missteps, and you know, he married the mother of his children, um, and you know, has been able to travel the world, and, and and has made you know, people can talk about what he did on the court, but they can never say that he's did a day in jail. Um, he's he's always been a positive, uplifting you know citizen, and you know, for as socially conscious as he's been, the only thing that he 
he did not address head on was the whole Darfur thing when he didn't sign that petition. Other than that, I think he's been, he's had a stellar career and, um, I'm not really surprised. Certain people are born with it. If he had that it factor from the beginning. All right, Scoop, we are here. Time is now to rank the NBA Finals from the 2000s. Um, again, if you're hearing the show, it's on BallsLife.com, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, um, all that good stuff. So, um, so what we're gonna do is this: we're gonna start from 10, work our way all the way down to number one. And if we have the same, we'll mention that. We'll keep it going. But uh, if you mention number 10 is this, kind of give me a reason why you have a 10 and, and, and uh, so on and so forth. So um, this should be fun. It should be entertaining. I know me and you would not have the same list. So I know we are going to agree to disagree. So um, do you want to start off? What is number 10 on uh, the finals from the 2000s? What's number 10? Um, probably. Oh, tough already. Number 10. <laughs> um, two, 2000, which was the Lakers and the Pacers. Okay. So you're, you're telling me that's when you're ranking one to 10, that, that 2000 LA, Indiana is number 10 already. Yes. Wow. Wow. Meaning worst to best, right? Yes. Yeah, that's 10 to me. Wow. Why? Tell me why. Um, wow. Because I kind of think we knew what was, I, I mean, I, I can say I knew what was going to happen. I, I, you could kind of tell that this was the Lakers. Like when I look at the Lakers now um, and when they started retooling and I knew everything that was going on with them. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of what the Lakers were trying to do after Michael retired. You had the Spurs who got that one in um, in 99 during a lockout short season. And then the Lakers won 2001 or two, excuse me, 2000. And then um, they they played um, the Nets in 2001. And then the Spurs, you know, did their thing. And the Spurs were making moves. They were kind of the Patriots. But to me, it wasn't as exciting as the 2001 finals to me with Iverson. I, I just think it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't stick out to me. Like, 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 you know, Miami heat and Dallas in 2006. Okay. Number 10, I have San Antonio, Cleveland, 07, a sweep that Ross and LeBron brought to the finals was, uh, uh that, that, that wasn't it. Spurs were more dominant, more prepared, and nobody likes to see a sweep in the finals. That was terrible. So number ten, the San Antonio Cavaliers from 07. What do you have? For number, what do you have for number nine? Cavs and Spurs. So you trying to tell me the Spurs and Cavs was better than the Pacers and the Lakers from 2000 that went six games with Shaq and Kobe with their first title? Is that hmm. what you're telling me? That that I enjoyed that one better than I enjoyed. Um, that I enjoyed that one more than I enjoyed Shaq and, and Kobe in 2000 and, and, and the year 2000. Did you? Um, yeah, because I because I like LeBron. <sighs> Not to say I don't like Shaq and Kobe. They didn't win a game. Um, they, win, they didn't win a they game. Didn't win a, they didn't win a game. But to me, um, this was something. You knew Shaq and Kobe were going to be great. To me, um, 
LeBron getting broken in early by the Spurs, um, to me, really showed his growth because he kept going. Mm -hmm. And he did it in Miami when he won. So I also think it's a perspective of my my time at that point. Like, all right, so in 2007, I was in Philly. I was working downtown. I was taking classes. I was working for the vice president. I was doing commercials for the Mm -hmm. vice president of my school. I was doing commercials on the radio for Power 99 for my school. To me, it was just, it was, it, I think of things in atmosphere, music, and what was going on at that time. So for me, like, you know, the 2000 finals, I was, I was a freshman in high school. Okay. Um, at that time, 2007, I was in, 2007, I was in college and I don't know, it just, it didn't strike me the same way that it's, like I said, it struck me 2006. Like mm-hmm. I was ready for 2006 finals. Facts. Fire. Facts. <laughs> um... All right, so number number nine, what do you got? My, 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 bad, my, my bad. Your nine is San Antonio Cavaliers. My number nine was Lakers, New Jersey. A sweep. Another sweep. I hate sweeps. I liked Jersey at the time. J Kid, who should have been the MVP of that year, the gave with the Duncan. Uh, he took a 26th win team the year prior to the NBA Finals. Um, but they got swept by Shaq and Kobe, which which marked a three P for them. It was okay, not that much exciting. So number nine is L.A. New Jersey from two thousand two. So your number eight is what? Probably. Oh. Spurs Pistons in 05. Okay, I can dig that. I can dig that. It just was vanilla. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> and nothing stood out to me. Oh, I, I, tr- trust me, bro. I, I mean, I gave it a little higher. Only the only merit I give it was, it was the only game seven series of the decade. That's the only reason why I gave it a little yeah. higher. That's that's it. But the, the the scores terrible. It was just oh Spurs and then nah mm-hmm. it just wasn't it wasn't for me bro it wasn't with all due respect it wasn't for me yeah we on the um, same page but okay that's your number eight my number eight was L A and Orlando from '09 <laughs> <laughs> again five games it was cool to see Dwight there I think uh, Kobe was getting the back to back no I'm sorry it was the beginning of a back to back between '09 and '10. Um, again, it just it just nothing really stood out. I know Kobe killed in that um in that finals, but aside from that, it just didn't really stand out for me. Like if someone tells me go go back and watch the O nine finals, I'm like, what happened? What game? So, uh, it just it didn't have it don't have a replay value for me. So I got that number eight. So your number seven is what. Number seven would probably be Lakers, Pistons, and all four. Okay. So we we, we both agree on seven. I have LA Detroit (laughs) on seven. Finally, we can agree on something. LA Detroit. Um Again, it was it was the Lakers getting back to the finals after missing 3 to get Carmelo involved, Gary Payton. Um, again, in five, it wasn't it wasn't a long series. The the last year, Kobe and Shaq would play together. Mm-hmm. The Detroit would Detroit would just 
again, vanilla, but they were they were really, really good, man. Chauncey Rib, Ben Wallace, Rasheed, Tayshawn. It was just, you know, Larry Brown coaching. Uh, great team. It just wasn't for me. I just, again, I think probably game one is probably the best game of the whole entire series. I think Cole made a shot to go to overtime or some shit like that. Aside from that, bro, I can't really call too much of it. So why you have that number seven, LA and um, Detroit? Because I wanted to be my number one, but Detroit was just so much better. Mm. They weren't a Bulls team. They weren't a Sixers team, mm. but they played defense, and defense wins championships, offense wins games. But you were expecting the Lakers to kind of go out and win it the same way many people want that to be the case this season. So, right. you know, and I know some people were comparing that 0-4 team to now. There's some significant differences there, particularly with age. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like that series because I, I like the series. Again, I look at things in college mode or just where I was at the time. I was a freshman in college at that point. Right. Um, but I also looked at the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm. They were kind of – Kevin Garnett was kind of like like yep. Dirk was in 07 when, you know, they lost to the, to the Warriors. Like that was supposed to be the Minnesota Timberwolves and Kevin Garnett's year. It didn't happen like that. Yeah. Yeah, they were good too, man. Him, Spreewell, Cassell. You got some other guys. They go to conference finals. Garnett's the, the the MVP of the league. I don't know, man. That, that again, I made you what if, but um. So we, we both agree on seven. So your number six is what? Um. Lakers, uh, Magic in oh nine. Oh nine, yeah. Okay. Why you got L.A. Orlando number nine? I'm sorry, uh, number six. I'm sorry, number six. Why did I have them at six? Yeah. Because they, to me, I wanted Orlando to win that series. Really? Um, Ray for, I did. I did wow. want Orlando to win that series. I like Ray for Austin. I like Jameer Nelson. And I like Dwight Howard. And I wanted to see them be successful. I mean, the Lakers, you know, this was the beginning of, of Kobe's run as the guy. Uh, on the Lakers, and um, you can't take anything away from that. You know, Trevor Ariza came up big, uh, former Orlando Magic. Um, Lamar Odom came into his own. Powell Gasol came to his own. Like again, I saw that coming with the Lakers, just like I saw it coming with um with uh the Lakers when they played the Pacers in two thousand, but mm. or in the year two thousand. But you know, take your hat off to Kobe for that. But I wanted Orlando to win. I just wanted I I, I wanted I wanted um. I wanted to see something different, particularly because Orlando couldn't get it done in 1995 against the Rockets. You were hoping that they could write that ship. It wasn't the case. Um, just to backtrack just a little bit, the reason why, the main reason why I had that same series number eight, bro, it should have been the Lakers and the Cavaliers, man. It should have been Kobe and LeBron, but the Cavaliers just had to lose to Orlando in six. It should have been Kobe against LeBron. We never got that finals, bro. That's why That's why for me it's number eight. Because it should have been Kobe and LeBron. Yeah. I can see that. I see your perspective. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right, so number six. My number six was... San Antonio, New Jersey from 2003. Uh, I think, you know, New Jersey was more more competitive against San Antonio than the Lakers. It was in six. 
Um, not that bad of, of competitive in basketball and and stuff like that. I think uh, 03, I think Duncan was MVP that year, if I'm not mistaken. So he was back-to-back MVPs. Uh, New Jersey was just better. They made it more competitive. So I gave with the nod at number six. Uh, not a finals that I'm just going to go on YouTube and check it out, but um, just, for, just for New Jersey being more competitive and more prepared, uh, and taking it to sixth, uh, I, I gave it uh, number six. I like that. All right, man. Like top that. five, buddy. We're the nitty gritty. Top five. This is this where it gets interesting. So you're number five. Top five. Top five. Top five. Top five. That's um, so five for me would probably be. Um, Nets Lakers. Nets Lakers. So the so the sweep. Two, okay. In two thousand one. Oh, Nets Lakers from O two. I'm sorry, O two, two thousand two. Okay, yes. please explain why the sweep of L A and New Jersey is number five for you. Again, you're different than me, so we. I, I want to hear the reason why. Um, I think for me, I, I was an employee of the Nets. Um, uh, I have a relationship with a lot of those guys there. Okay. I was born in New Jersey. Um, split time between there and the city. Okay. And it was just a different energy. I mean, during that time, uh, you know, throwback jerseys were hot. Um, Shaq and Kobe were coming to their own. I thought it was even looking at the, 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 the series from a fashion perspective. Kobe walking in with a Michael Michelin S jersey. Yeah. Um, you know, I had Shaq on the podcast uh, a couple months ago when he talked about how you know, he, he, Tom McCullough was no answer for him. And, you know, he enjoyed, you know, playing in the finals in New Jersey because, um, you know, his grandparents, Shaq is from Newark. So, you know, he had his parents, his grandparents in town. Mm. They got to watch him play. Um, you look at Jason Kidd, what he was able to do with that infrastructure, that team, Rod Thor trading them, trading to get them. And, you know, really there were some things that, that, that I, that I had issues with, like, you know, Kenyon Martin was holding his own. Robert Orry couldn't check him. Um, but, he was even guarding Shaq and then plays. He's guarding uh, Kenny Martin was guarding Kobe. Um, you know, it just it just was a series that was fun. It was a sweep, but yeah, you know, it was something that I enjoyed watching just because it was something that was familiar to me. You mentioned the the throwback uniforms, man. I, I, listen, I, w- I I was never a Net fan because I've been a Nick fan for almost twenty years. But I gotta give it to you, man. Those gray throwback jerseys, tough. Tough. Yeah, for sure. Tough. <laughs> for sure. I think I had one, probably Kid or or, or or RJ, one of those guys. But I know the white ones. They had the navy blue one. They had the alternate red. But those gray ones, man, just fire. Um, so I said earlier, my number five was San Antonio, Detroit, only the merit of <laughs> it went seven. That was only game seven of the decade. No other, No other reason why. But I just feel like, all right, man, you went seven. I'll give you a little, little homage. But that's it. So that's my number five. So number four, Scoop, number four. Um, Number four for me. Just notice we only agreed on one so far. <laughs> Which was seven, I think, right? Yep, that, that was seven. Come on, we, we, we got to agree on at least one more, bro. One more. Um, For me. Number four. Number four would probably be Spurs Nets. Spurs Nets. Um, okay. Again, I looked at it from a cultural perspective. I looked at it from a familiarity. Yes. And I think the Nets had a better chance. You know, they just didn't close it. 
You know, Kenya Martin was telling me how defensively difficult Tim Duncan was. I mean, I mean, even in the big man position for the Spurs, you know, they had Kevin Willis coming off the pits. You know, Manu and, and Tony Parker were coming in tearing their own. It was, it was, um, you know, this was post. This was this was David Robinson's last year. Yes, it was. And he, yep. and he, and he won a ring. You know, Stephen Jackson came into his own. I had been, you know, I had been around Stephen Jackson when he was a net, when he played with Steph, when he played with Keith Van Horn and 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 Kenyon and those guys. And Jamel Thomas was even a teammate of of of, of Stephon, their cousins. Um, so you know, just the familiarity there. And I was happy to see Stephen Jackson do well at San Antonio. Uh, five. Okay, five. No, was it five? Uh, four. 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 All right, I'm a four. I got L.A. Philadelphia. Um, I just felt like, again, you know, if we talk about where where we were at in that time, I was graduating high school at the time. The energy was different. Iverson with the dress code and just the wave that he was presenting at the time, he was like the, the anti to what Kobe and Shaq were in L.A. And, you know, the Lakers were, what, they were they were undefeated in the playoffs until they got to Philadelphia in Game One. That was their only loss of the final uh, of the entire playoff run. But just Iverson man scoring forty eight and just doing it and doing it in L A. and everybody thought Philly was going to get swept and wasn't going to have a chance. And just just seeing Philly back in the, back to prominence, man. Just you know a big a big town, a big a big time city to get back to the finals. And maybe I wanted Iverson to win, or at least be more competitive, make it to six or seven games. But, you know, again, Iverson, that team reminds me of LeBron in 07. Like, is, is Iverson and everybody else, like, one man really carrying the load. And it was just like, man, like, that's all Iverson had. Like, Iverson's going to beat Shaq and Kobe with Aaron McKee and George Lynch and those guys, like, is, is Eric Snow. One game, yeah, two, maybe. But that ain't happened. But just, just just the energy around that finals, man. I think that's why I gave it to number four. Yeah, I can see your perspective from that from from there for sure. And plus the moment him walking over Tyrone Lue is one of the greatest moments <laughs> in finals. Yeah. Game, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Number three, top three. Here we go. Um, for me, number three was uh, 2008 finals between the Celtics and the Lakers. Celtics-Lakers. Okay, we agree, yeah. Number we got three, one more. LA-Boston LA, in uh, 2008. Why Why is that top three at number three, LA-Boston? Um, I graduated college at that point, um, and I was really happy for Kevin Garnett. You know, uh, he's a guy who, you know, KG graduated from the same high school as my step-grandmother and my step-grandfather. They all went to Farragut. My step-grandfather actually played baseball at Farragut Academy. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, for me, like, I followed his whole career. Um, and, you know, to see him kind of win it in that first year in Boston with Pierce and Allen. Um, and I was even happy for Pierce. You know, came in early in the league with Antoine Walker. And, you know, I liked Antoine Walker's game. Um, oh, yeah. just it, it wasn't able, weren't able to get it done. And, um, you know, for me, I was happy to see Boston win in. And of course, you know, Kevin Garnett's speech, uh, anything is possible with Michelle Tafoya, you know, that, that whole conversation was, uh, was, was, uh, was, was classic to this day, you know, and, you know, spilling Gatorade on Doc Rivers, you know, shirt, all that stuff. I just, 
I'm just um, I'm pleased with uh, that selection on my part, just for how it made me feel. And uh, yeah, that's it. Um, number three, I had number three was oh yeah, L.A. Boss. I think is um you know just just a renewal of the rivalry. Um, you know, you get Kevin Garnett in the big trade early in the year. Uh, the, the original big three with him, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, going to the finals in, the, in their first timeout. You get you get L.A. on the flip side. I think that's the year that the Lakers got Pac Gasol in a trade from Memphis uh, with mm-hmm. Kwame and Marcus Gasol because they thought Marcus Gasol was a throw-in. You, you know, then you fast forward all these years now. He's a world champion and, and an all-star. Um, I think just to renew the rivalry, seeing Kobe finally get back there. I think the first time Kobe was there in the finals since 04. Um, seeing, seeing if Garnett and these guys can can, can win it all. I think just a, just a drama and the aura around it uh, kind of made it for good good TV. I think... Um, more moments, you know, you see Paul Pierce get hurt and he come up with a wheelchair. Then it's a game where LA's up by 25 and Boston comes back. And it was just, I think, more more moments for me, like for for, for than, than the LA and Philly. But I give LA Boston number three the nod. So I know who your top two is. It doesn't matter what's number two. <laughs> so it's either LA or Philly or Dallas and Miami. So what's number two? Number two for me is Dallas and Miami. Okay. Tell me why. Um, it was just exciting. Um, I was happy to see Shaq go there and win a ring with Dwayne Wade. Um, I had been following Dwayne Wade's career since his rookie year. I mentioned at the beginning at the top of the show, talked about uh, you know Wade's prominence and how he went from hitting that big shot against Baron Davis in the opening rounds and you know kind of being overlooked in 2003 in comparison to some of his other 2003 draft class peers like in Melo and, and, and LeBron and, and, and even Chris Bosh. And, of course, Narco Milicic, you can't forget him. But, you know, I I look at that situation with Miami, and I just remember in the 2004 NBA playoffs um, where Dallas was like on the – or excuse me, when Miami was like on the brink of just something. Like you heard the commentators kind of say, like, you know, they're a big man away from doing something. At that point, they had Wade, they had Lamar Odom, they had Karan Butler, they had Wang Juju, if I'm not mistaken, they had Mm. Rafer Austin, and – you know, just that team and their build up to getting Shaq. I, I just thought it was—I thought it was remarkable because, you know, Shaq and Kobe, you know, didn't get along, and and Kobe, Shaq finds ways to, you know, to be around guys that are superstar cards or swingmen, and you know, he didn't get it done with Penny. He get did get it done with Kobe, and you know, with Wade, you know, it was magical, and um, I, I I found that Wade that Shaq knew how to take a back seat at that point. Um, and, and go in and, 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 and win with Wade. And um, no, it, was, it was just aesthetically pleasing in that regard. Um, you know, you look at Dallas, I felt bad for Avery Johnson. I remember his post-game tirade with one of a media member, you know, just about, the, you know, that, that, that whole debacle there. And he wasn't pleased. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I, I was pulling for Miami and Wade and Shaq and, you know, and Antoine Walker, uh, a guy who, you know, had dealt with some issues with finances and, you know, not finding, you know, not being successful in Boston the way many people thought. Then you look at Gary Payton, his time in, in, in L.A. wasn't fruitful. Then, oh, well, it, it didn't produce a championship, I'll say. Then you look at, you know, Alonzo Mourning, a guy who was traded to the Nets or traded. 
Yeah, he was in the Vince Carter trade. And yeah. he, 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 he cited his kidney ailment as a reason why, and then he came back to Miami, won a ring. The only thing missing in that regard in that Miami story was Tim Hardaway. You know, one of the guys that, that's one of the best point guards to ever put on a Miami Heat uniform, and if not the best, but you know, I think there were just so many storylines with the Heat that I enjoyed. Um, and plus, I, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but that uh, Pat Riley comes back to coach that team, right? Yes, because uh, there was tension in the locker room with Stan Van Gundy and um, and members of that Heat team, and mm-hmm. you know, people many believed that that would be what Riley would come out and do again. Uh, during the LeBron James Big Three era with uh, LeBron and 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 uh, Bosh and Wade, and that wasn't the case. He stuck with Eric Spolstra to this day. Yeah. So um, yeah, those are those are that was the storyline that I enjoyed. Um, one and one and two, real quick, was tough for me. I go back and forth, but I think I'm going to settle on um, Dallas and Miami at number two. So I guess you know we agree on number two. Finally. Um. Again, man, it just um, you know we we I think you 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 touch all the points anyway, but just seeing those guys with Shaq, White Chocolate, Gary Payton, Antoine Walker, D Wade, um, D Wade is in his, uh, his uh his third year, he's getting thirty five a game in the finals. They're down um o two, they win four in a row, they do it on the road in Dallas. Um, I think if if you know, going back and they say, hey, tomorrow, Mavericks and the Heat game one, the finals, it was a toss-up. You can't really say, yo, the Mavericks got this or Miami got this because Miami went through Detroit and the Mavericks, they, they, they went through San Antonio. Uh, on the matter of fact, San Antonio and, and, and Phoenix to, to, to the route to the, to the finals. So it could have gone either way. It wasn't like, oh, man, one, you know, landslide. So you see Dallas up 2-zip, you're like, oh, shit, this, this, this might be over. Then you see D-Wade just... I don't know. <laughs> D-Wade just went crazy matrix on people and just get 35 a game, finals MVP, uh, first championship in, in Miami history. And Shaq was Shaq, but he wasn't like the dominant Shaq. He was he was there. He, he put a little work in. But um, I think it was just one of the better finals performances I've seen live, uh, maybe aside from Jordan in 93 against Phoenix when he got 40, 41 a game. So, you know, big props to D-Wade for doing that. And I got I got Miami and Dallas at number two. So, your number one finals of the 2000s belongs to the Lakers and Philadelphia. Yes. LA and Philadelphia is your number one finals of the 2000s. Tell me why. Yes. Um, I like the Rocky, the, or more so the David and Goliath story. Um, of, of, you know, Allen Iverson and, you know, what he's overcome to get to the point that he was at. Um, and I think I had a greater appreciation for it when I went to college in the Philadelphia area and worked downtown uh, and saw how much he exemplified just everyday working Philadelphia people. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'll say that, you know, there's New York, there's 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 San Francisco um, and then there's cities like Chicago, there's cities like Philadelphia, there's cities like Cleveland. Um, where, you know, there's a level of just um, finesse that doesn't carry over, um, that you really embody just the the, the, the infrastructure that the, 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 of that particular city. And I think that Philly still rocks with Allen Iverson for, to that day for that reason. Um, I think there was culture involved. I mean, that the unlikeness, unlikeliness of beating 
you know, teams that on paper were better than you, um, you know, and, and you found a way to, to get it done. I mean, I go back to what I said about, about um, Theo Ratliff. Like, Theo Ratliff was supposed to be the guy um, that was supposed to go toe-to-toe with Shaq. I don't, I don't know if that would have happened, but, you know, Matumbo defensively, uh, I guess, did his job. You know, at times, Ty McCullough spelled him in minutes, but, um, you know, you had a roster with, with guys like Eric Snow, Rodney Buford, um, Raja Bell, um, that, that, that Aaron McKee, um, that were going up against a Lakers team that was on paper much better than them. And, uh, of course you talk about the, the step in overtime, Ron Lou, you can't forget that, but, um, it, it just was a, a series that I looked forward to coming home and watching. Um, and then I think also just coming into my own, like, you know, I, I, me personally, I, I transferred to Don Bosco prep, uh, high school and, you know, I had, 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 you know, was an editor, a columnist in my school newspaper after being at another school, was a columnist and, a, and had my own column as a freshman. And, you know, just writing about the Sixers going into the, you know, going into the playoffs, I knew there was something special about them. And I just admired them from afar. You know, I'd been around Allen Iverson during his second year in the league and, you know, saw guys like come and go like Jimmy Jackson and uh, Kibu Stewart and, you know, just ten-day contract guys, and just guys. You got um, uh, Larry Hughes and Stack just House. Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, like so. Just to me, like being close to it, even being in the locker room um, back when you know Stephen A. Smith was a, was a, was a, was covering the, the Sixers daily. Like to me, all of those things just you know all the stars aligned for Philadelphia. And um, even though they didn't get it done, I, I I take my hat off to the Lakers, man. Like. I, you really got to see Kobe and 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 um and Iverson go at it, you know, and and even like from the perspective of I remember when, during a like a, a, a stalling in the game, somebody was at the free throw line, and Allen Iverson was just talking smack to, to Kobe. He was like, "Yo, come back to Philly, come back to Philly." Like you, you <laughs> felt that when he said it. Um, I just enjoyed that series, bro. Um, and somebody like you could understand it who studies, you know, the 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 outer perimeter of things, not just the goals on the floor, but the, the mm. culture side of it. I'm sure you can appreciate that too. We might, might not agree on number one, but at the same time, for me, it just, it did something for me. You know, right. like I remember, you know, watching the finals and then going to, on a Friday and couldn't wait to get to the gym or go outside and play basketball, you know, that weekend. Like it, it, it made, that finals made you want to go on the floor and play. Like even like when those Nike commercials came on with a Nike basketball, like you wanted to bounce the ball off your elbow and pass it to somebody like that made you want to go outside and do that. You know, and I felt that way about that Sixers Lakers series in two thousand and one. I just enjoyed it. Uh, for me, man, listen, I, I agree. You know, for me, even LA and Philly could have been higher. Uh, maybe I looked at it as you know, it went in five, they won one game, and all right. But I think overall, in that time, just the cultural shift Iverson was putting on, not only the NBA but in, in sports in general, and kids wanted be like him and dress like him and play ball like him and have braids like him and have an arm sleeve like him and wear the questions and the answers. Just just a cultural phenomenon he was back then and still is. Um, for me, I think the reason why I had the Lakers and Indiana number one, it was um, Shaq and Kobe's first title together. 
They were together for four years. They got to the to, to the playoffs and the conference finals or in the semifinals. Oh. And they just couldn't get the job done. You know, with Utah and San Antonio there and Kobe's four um, you know, air ball game against Utah in ninety seven. And then they get bumped out by San Antonio like in ninety nine or uh and, and Utah in ninety eight. And it's like boom. All right, is is Shaq and Kobe ever gonna win a title? Shaq is still in the prime. He comes from Orlando. To, to, to try to win a championship. They get Kobe in the draft in 96. And it's like, all right, why can't these two guys win a championship? Then you bring Phil Jackson on board uh, with the whole dismantling of, of the Bulls two years prior. And, you know, they, they're now in, 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 in Staples Center. And it's like, all right, now this could be the year. You fast forward all the way to the conference finals against Portland. And it's like, all right, you're up 3-1. You, you lose game five. You lose game six. You were down by 15 in game seven. And a lot of people, still a lot of people feel like Portland should have won that game. It's neither here or there. But just that moment of Shaq with the with the, with the lob to, I mean, um, with Kobe, the, the, the lob to Shaq. And just the whole momentum. And then you get to the, to the finals. Yeah, you get Reggie and the Pacers and everything. But still, it's like, all right, Shaq, ain't, Shaq hasn't won a ring. Kobe either. Can you can you finally get it done? And they they, they do get it done in, in 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 six, but and then seeing Kobe Kobe coming to his own in Game Four, you know Shaq fouls out, and it's like oh man, LA is up two one at that point. They feel like Indiana can steal one and tie it up. Shaq is fouled out. Now it's on Kobe, and Kobe just fucking took over, man. Like that was the coming out party for him. We knew he was good prior. Made a couple all-stars and everything. But now it's like, all right, now he could be the guy when Shaq is in foul trouble or Shaq ain't, ain't, ain't got it going. I can I, I can go to Kobe to be that that true prime secondary scorer. Kobe was getting 25 a game in that playoffs uh, probably, maybe more. So just a coming out party for Kobe, the first title for Shaq and Kobe uh, uh, of the three-peat, um, seeing Phil Jackson back on board. LA is now the top team once again in the NBA. And I think... You know, when it comes down to the top finals of that decade, I, I listen. I don't disagree with you with Philly and LA and the moments, but I think the the and D Wade as well against Dallas. But seeing Shaq and Cole finally get the first ring, Kobe come to his own. I think those were the two bigger moments for me um, in a, in a, in that decade. Well, hey, we can respectfully and peacefully agree to disagree. <laughs> I like it. Listen, man, I think regardless, man, a lot of good finals happened in this decade. I wish we would have had more game six and game sevens, you know, like the like like the nineties or maybe the uh, the 2010s. But uh the, the 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 decade was pretty much LA, San Antonio, man. Um a sprinkle of Detroit, a sprinkle of uh Dallas and, and Boston and and stuff like that, but just a, a just a dominating era for for Shaq, Kobe, Tim Duncan, the Spurs, and the Lakers, man. Um, and I think anybody who's here on the show who has who has never seen these games, never heard of these uh finals matchups, go ahead check it out. It's on YouTube pretty much. Check out the AI games. Check out the D Wade stuff from '06. Check out the, the Kobe and Shaq from 2000. It's a lot of great moments. A lot of great games and um. I think bottom line is, Scoop, this was fun going down memory lane with you for almost two decades. We're, we're approaching 20 years of Shaq and Kobe winning their first title. 
in another uh, another month or so. So I know I'll, I'll be doing a show on that. Uh, we're also coming up on 25 years of the Rockets winning back-to-back titles. We are approaching 10 years of the decision with LeBron going to Miami already. 10, 10 years, bro. It's crazy. Um, so those, those will be future shows on the Retro Room. Scoop, my man, I thank you. Hope you enjoyed it. And I know we'll, um, we'll have you on more again soon, man. Yes, sir. We connected on a basketball level. We've been talking about <laughs> intensity. We finally did it. So I know your point of view. You know mine. I'm glad we got it done. Nah, listen, man. I, I, I respect what you do. Big fan of what you do for the game, for the sport. A uh, guy who truly does it for for yourself and you know just um because that's what you that's that's what you love to do you don't do it for the likes the clicks the clout you do it because you love it i do this show because i love it and i have the uh the the, the knowledge for it and having people like balls life be behind it uh, i do want to thank them i really appreciate that more to come with the retro room and it's in the game podcast so whenever you want to come on man hit me up and uh, let me know my man, let's do it. I'll talk to you. Scoop B on Twitter, Scoop underscore B on Instagram. Again, senior writer for Heavy.com and the host of the Scoop B uh, radio podcast. Go ahead, check it out. Scoop, my man, thank you. I appreciate it. My man, I'll talk to you soon. All right, man, take it easy. And this is Scoop B Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Come on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 